We thank you that this morning we could share communion, that we could eat some bread, drink some wine, and remember what you have done for us. And uh, Lord, even if that's all we did when we gathered this morning, Lord, that would be more than enough. We do thank you, Lord, for your amazing sacrifice, what you were willing to do for us, Lord. And so bless you for that. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, now as I come to speak, would you help me to speak clearly? Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, open up our hearts? Lord, we want to hear what you want to say to us. We want to respond in the way that you want us to respond. So we say, Lord Jesus, come speak to us this morning, we ask for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, today's message very much follows on from last week. So if you missed it, it's available on the church website. Go and have a listen. But in summary, we're just reminding ourselves that we're looking at this series called Be Prepared, which came from a number of prophetic words that God gave us last term relating to what he wanted to do amongst us as a church. And uh, I shared those prophetic words when I preached on the 6th of October. So if you haven't heard it, please do go and have a listen. But, but basically, we shared as well the fact that the church is God's family on God's mission in God's power. That's who we are. It's what we do. And that's how we do it. And we moved on to kind of say that uh, Jesus gave us this commandment uh, to love one another as he loves us. And that love starts with our brothers and sisters in Christ, those in the church, but also has to extend to those who are currently outside the church, those who are not Christians, but God is reaching. And therefore, this command to love one another extends to both those in the family of the church and those outside the family of church whom we are on mission to reach. And last week, we looked at just three simple ways that we could turn this command from an aspiration into a reality. And the three were, and I'm going to read these without looking at my notes, prayer, care, and share. You see, we've all got it in one week. And so this week, I want to focus on the second of those, which is care. But we must be careful that our care comes out of prayer. We must involve God right at the start. We must let God set the agenda. We must look to him for what we are to do, how we are to do it, and everything that we need to see it done. You see, Jesus says, fruitfulness in the kingdom of God is only possible if you abide in me. Not me, Dale Barlow, him, Jesus Christ. Right? That's it. If you want to bear fruit for the kingdom, you've got to abide in Jesus. Don't abide in Jesus. You can bear lots of fruit for yourself, for lots of other things, but you cannot bear fruit for the kingdom. So care is step two, but we only go to step two if we've done step one. I'm not going to tell you that story about ironing. I'm going to save that for another day. How lucky you are. Maybe. Our model is Jesus, as always. Jesus said this in Matthew 20, 20, the son of man came not to be served, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Let's just 
camp in this verse for a little while. So the Son of Man, this is Jesus' favorite name for himself. And I think he used it because he wants us to know that he fully identifies with us. He was fully human. He went through the same trials, the same temptations. He experienced the same joys and the same sorrows. He went to a wedding and parted. He went to a funeral and cried. He, he understands. He identifies with us. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but when the Son of God chooses to call himself the Son of Man, then that's something which shows how, just how much he thinks of us. Just how much he is determined to identify and build a relationship with us. He was the son of God. He chooses to call himself so often the son of man. And it says here that Jesus says that he came not to be served, but to serve. The natural order of things is that the lesser serves the greater. The created serves the creator. Humanity is supposed to serve deity. But Jesus comes and says, I'm turning the whole thing upside down. I'm turning the whole thing around. And suddenly the lesser gets served by the greater. The created gets served by the creator. Human beings are served by God. And let's be honest, that fact alone, we could stop wonder and worship at Jesus, the Son of God, coming to serve people like me and you. Could we not? And the meaning of the words serve and care are really practically the same for the context that we're looking at this morning. So I'm going to kind of use them interchangeably. And it says that the way Jesus came to serve us was to give his life was to give his life. He was effectively taking care of us. He was effectively taking care of our souls. He was taking care of our eternal destiny by giving up his life in order to pay the price that had to be paid for us to have the power and the pollution of sin wiped away that we might not be in separation from God, but might be in relationship with God. That's what we've been celebrating here this morning. And so Jesus came not to be served or cared for by others, even though he had every right to because he was God and he created everything, but he came to serve and care for others. And he started by saving our souls. And then he said, I'm going to save your souls and then I'm going to save everything else about you. <laughs> I'm going to justify you, and then I'm going to bring sanctification. I'm going to make it so in God's eyes, it's just as if you never sinned, even though you have and will. And then I'm going to go about the process of changing you from one degree of glory to another until one day when you see me face to face, you'll just be like me. That's the mission that Jesus is on. And you and I, if you're a Christian here, we have been caught up in that. And if God is making us like Jesus... If God is making us like Jesus, then we are those who do not look to be served by others, but who look to serve them. Who don't look to be cared for by others, but we look to care for them. Let me make some three points, and they link through. 
Jesus will care for us. That's what Jesus promised. He said to his disciples, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send another. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. Jesus makes this promise. God makes this promise that he will care for his people. And so the challenge is always to us that we need to trust that God will care for us even as we care for others, that he will pour in as we pour out. And sometimes I think that I don't because I don't quite believe that. I don't quite believe that God will care for me. Maybe sometimes I don't because I fear a lack, that I'll go without, but I'll have less if I give to someone else. Maybe sometimes I'm just, bo- I'm just lazy. I just can't be bothered. Maybe sometimes I'm just selfish. It's just like, what's in it for me? So what's in it for me? It's why I believe we need the love of God to touch our hearts and touch our hearts again and touch our hearts again. Because I said last week, naturally, we all incline towards ourselves. We all incline towards ourselves. But the Holy Spirit wants us to incline towards other people, trusting in God to meet our needs. Do we get that? Jesus will care for us. Here's the second point. As part of that care, Jesus will direct us to care for others. It's a non-negotiable. It's part of the deal. In Jesus caring for us, he will get us caring for others. And part of that is, is because he's trying to make us like him. And if that's what he is like, then he is going to make us like that as well. And partly, I believe, it's because it builds our relationship with him. Because what, what we quickly discover is that if we try to care for others in our own strength, it will probably go wrong. Or is that just my? Our motivation will probably be shown to be wrong. Our capacity will not suffice. Our joy will go, frustration will come, resources will run out, disappointment and resentment will set in. Why? Because loving others as Jesus loves us forces us to go to Jesus, forces us to receive his love, his care in our lives that we might have the strength and the grace to be able to care for others. Do you understand? It's not, it's not that we care for others because it's a nice thing to do. We care for others because that's what Jesus like. And Jesus knows that we can only care for others if we are allowing him to care for us. And so there is always going to be this call by him for us to care for others. So my third point on this would be, our focus therefore needs to be on caring for others as instructed and empowered by Jesus. We ought to focus on it. We ought to embrace it. We ought to understand it. We ought to work with him. He's not trying to punish us by making us care for people. He's actually trying to teach us, train us, and he's trying to get us to be more like him, and he's trying to get us to learn to rely on him. And so our focus can't be, how do I get other people to serve me, my hopes, my dreams, my purposes? Our focus can't even be on trying to do good things for other people and then somehow presenting those to Jesus as a means of justifying how great he's been to us. That simply will not work. Our focus needs to be on building our relationship with him and then caring for other people out of that relationship through Jesus, with Jesus, directed by Jesus. 
So in summary, Jesus cares. He wants us to be like him, so he is going to make us care for other people. And when we can't do it in our own strength, which we can't, it then turns us to him and we say, Lord Jesus, will you care for me and will you help me to care for others? Do you get that? I think that is the way that he wants it to be. So I think I'll put it in your notes here, the way it's supposed to be. Number one, we look to God and we get our needs met by him. Number two, we look to be active in care for others based on Jesus' commandment under his strength, guidance, and protection. And number three, we accept care from others when it comes with gratitude to them and praise to God. Right? We, we, are, we, we, we are grateful if God uses people and they respond to care for us. We don't say, oh, no, no. We, we say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you. I'm British. I find that very difficult. But we, we say thank you to them. We say thank you to them, but we give praise to God. Are you with me? Praise goes to God. It's God who's orchestrated it. We don't give praise to people and then say, oh, thanks, God. That was nice of them. We say thanks to them and we give praise to God. But the way that it can be, the way that it can be, is that we expect others to care for us and meet our needs, both legitimate and otherwise, and when they don't or they fall short of our expectations, we get frustration. We get frustrated. Anybody? Okay. When we do sometimes try to care for others, which may not be very often sometimes, and it goes wrong, either they don't understand or they don't seem to want help or they don't say thanks enough or they don't say thanks in the way that we want them to say thanks, we get disappointed or frustrated or disillusioned. Anybody? And then in our frustration, disappointment, and disillusionment, we feel unloved by God and by people. I think that's the way it can sometimes go. See, truth is, if you substitute people for God in terms of your own care, spiritual, emotional, mental, and the other one, if you substitute people for God, you are in all kinds of trouble. And if you substitute things for God, then you are in even deeper trouble. So two verses for you, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. I think I put them in your notes. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So the one under whose mighty hand we are to humble ourselves is God. We humble ourselves under God's mighty hand because God knows the right time, in a sense, and the right way to lift us up. Onto whom are we to cast all our cares? God. God. We cast our cares and our anxieties and our worries onto God. Why? Because he cares for us. If we will humble ourselves under his mighty hand, accepting that he knows better, his way is better, his timing is perfect, even when we can't understand it. If we humble ourselves under God, and from that place, throw our cares and our worries onto him, it says he will care for us. It does make me ask the question, why often am I so slow to humble myself under God's hands? Why am I so slow to cast my anxieties onto him? Here's another one for you, Psalm 121. Verse 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
Where do I lift my eyes to? I lift my eyes up. I, li I lift my eyes up. I lift it to the mountains and I lift it to the heavens. Why? Because my help comes from God who created the mountains and the heavens. If I need help, I lift my eyes upwards to him. So we look to God to care for us. We, we're active. We're available to God as he orchestrates cares for others. And if God uses others to care for us, we praise him and we thank them. Which is why care must start with prayer. Because as we talk to God, so we get cared for. As we lift our burdens to him, so we get helped. As we look to him, we get answers. We get peace. We get joy. Prayer is where we start to receive care from God. Maybe it's as we read his word. Maybe it's as we lift up things on our hearts. Maybe it's as we confess the wrong things, the wrong motives that we have discovered are lurking in our hearts. Maybe it's just as we pray for a loved one. Maybe it's just as we lift the day before him. See, prayer, us speaking to God, listening to what God's saying, is the primary way that we get cared for by our Father God. 20 years in pastoral, pastoral ministry has taught me this. Christians who do not pray, who do not make time to speak and listen to God, will eventually feel uncared for by God. But that's not because God doesn't care. And it's not because God can't care. It's just they haven't allowed him to. They haven't looked to him. They haven't made the time. They haven't humbled themselves under his mighty hand and let him lift them at the due time. But conversely, I believe, the more that we get this in our lives, the more we understand that God can care for me and then I'm able to care for others, the more we'll get it in the church, the more we can start to reach out and care for those who are not Christians, but who we come across in everyday life, like Carrie did with the delivery driver from Tesco's, who probably don't know anything about Jesus. So what is care? Well, a simple definition, I put it in your notes there. A simple definition of care is to meet someone else's needs with your or another's resources. And when I say another's, I don't mean stealing what they have and giving it to them. I mean you have got legal access and rights to it. In essence, somebody else gets a benefit or a blessing which costs them nothing, but they only get it because you or another are willing to pay a price for it. And often our care for others will cost us one or more of the following three things. Number one, time. Time, nothing tangible but time. Time to listen, time to talk, time to be with, time to share. Someone once said, time is our most valuable commodity. I think it is. Money and possessions. There is something that we have, tangible, that we can give them that they need. Money and possessions. The third one, talents and gifts. There's something that we can do or something that we can make happen, or something that we have access to, which will benefit them. There are other costs involved in care, but I think these are the three ones, and these were the three ones that were mentioned in the prophetic words that were given to us by God as a church that we would need to be prepared to spend, if you like, in what he wanted to do. Which is why I want to ask the question, are we willing to pay the price of caring for others when that price is going to cost us some of our 
time, some of our possessions, some of our talents or gifts? Are we prepared to pay that price? See, the Bible says, have a sober assessment of yourself. So how caring are you? How caring are you? Who have you cared for this week in your family, in the church? Those outside the church, colleagues, friends, people you rub shoulders with. And I think the church should be a wonderful training ground for us to learn how to care. The church should be a wonderful training ground for us to learn how to care. Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We have Jesus' call to love. And therefore we can learn to be active in care. Motivated by God's love. Under the direction, the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more that we learn among the safety of the church family, which hopefully means then we're not going to be running around like headless chickens. We're not going to be doing things to kind of make ourselves feel better. We're not trying to glorify ourselves. Then I think we will be better able to care for people outside of the church who maybe sometimes might present more challenges. Maybe they won't understand our motives. Maybe they'll misunderstand what we're trying to do, our good intentions and actions. But I think the point should be we must learn in the church and that will equip us better to do the same outside of the church. And guess where most people who don't know Jesus are? They are outside the church. As J. John would say, they are everywhere outside the church. And so this matters not just for us as church family, but it matters for our witnessing. How do we grow in care? Well, I, these are my three silly ways that I get my head around care. That's all. They're not very, I don't know what they are, but they're my, silly, my three silly ways. Premeditated, planned, and spontaneous. And by that, what I mean is this. When I say premeditated, I mean those longer-term things, the things that we're responsible for. We know we have to care for X or Y. It might be because we're married and it's about our spouse. We have children. Maybe it's the role we have. Maybe at work we have to care for some people that work for us or in the company we work for. Premeditated, I mean, we've taken a role or responsibility and we know we need to care as part of that. Then when I think about planned... I suppose I'm thinking about things that we ask God and we do. You know, the things that actually we take some time and effort and kind of, God, I know we ought to care here, so what do you want me to do? That's what I take as being planned. And then the spontaneous is just something that happens in the moment. Someone comes in and they've got a bad leg in the coffee shop or someone turns up as a delivery driver and says something. Those more spontaneous things that happen and maybe we just get a moment to respond and show care. Here's my assessment, probably of myself, and if it's true for you, then that's fine. I think many of us are quite good at the first. We don't do the second regularly enough, and therefore we often miss the third. Does that make sense? That's kind of how I feel about myself. I'm quite good at the first, maybe. I don't quite do the second enough, and therefore sometimes I think I'm not quite tuned in to heaven's wavelength when the opportunity comes spontaneously. And I realized 12 days later, oh, I should have done something about that. So I think one of the keys is to be deliberate about asking God and doing the planned, which will be good in itself, and I think also gets us tuned in 
and ready to be more responsive in the spontaneous. In other words, the better we are at the planned, which will probably start within the context of the church family, the better we're going to be at the spontaneous, which will probably be in the context of outreach and mission. Our lives are kind of supposed to make people thirsty for who it is that we know, what we have. And I don't mean Facebook likes and looks and here's my wonderful life as displayed by Instagram or whatever, but I'm talking about some qualities that only come from God like kindness and patience and perseverance and love and joy and peace and lots of other words that I doubt we'll hear very much during this election trail. Because the fruits of the Spirit are not available to purchase for any price. They're not available no matter how much you study or strive. These only come by knowing and spending time with and being in relationship with the God of the universe. And having our needs met by him. And so we are not frantically scrabbling through life trying to find other people or other things to meet them. Because you see, brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian this morning, we carry a message. And the message is that there's a God in heaven who cares for people. And there's a God in heaven who cares for them because he's cared for us. They, the fact is they don't even know that he's demonstrated that care in a way they didn't even know that they needed, but they desperately do need. We are living, breathing, walking, talking testimonies to the fact that there's a God in heaven and that he cares for people. So I believe he wants us to use words of love and demonstrations of love. Those two go together. He wants us to speak about it, but he also wants us to demonstrate acts of love. And often, small and simple acts of care are, if you like, the way in. Small acts of care, genuinely done, I think are like hinges on a big oak door that seems immovable. But these two little metal hinges, if you push the massive oak door, it just opens. I think people's hard, cold, stubborn hearts can actually begin to be moved if we will show them acts of love and care. But often I find the challenge as Christians is to live our lives day by day with an understanding that somehow I am called to be part of this. I'm, I'm called to express God's care for people as Jesus directs. I was at that conference in Spain a couple of months ago, and God really nailed me about this. I was there quite happily, you know, I didn't have any responsibilities. I was in a session. I was praying, you know, God, save this person, save that person, because the person at the front said, pray for people you want to be saved. I'm praying for this person I know, and this loved one, and this family member. And then I pray in the Spirit. I've got no idea who I'm praying with. And when I stop praying in the Spirit, and I pray in English again, I find myself praying out loud for the bloke in the local newsagents. The bloke in the local news. I was the most surprised person uh, there. And I don't know his name. I don't know his circumstances. I just go there to buy my paper and a packet of crisps a couple of times a month. I'm always polite, but essentially I kind of rush in. I rush out. Or maybe I saunter in or saunter out. But I don't have any thought really for who he is, what he's going through. And uh, he's actually trapped behind the counter and can't kind of move. So I could say anything to him. I have a captive audience there. And I felt God just open up my heart to this guy. And to get me to consider and pray 
and to ask God, God, how could I express something of your love to this guy? How could I express something of your care? And I thought to myself, do I even give this kind of stuff a moment? How many times have I gone in and gone out? Even if God would have wanted me to care or do anything for this guy, have I ever really been available? Have I ever really considered it in the last 12 years that I've lived down the road and gone into that shop? See, it was about that guy, but it was about me first. God nailed me on me. (laughs) Was I willing? Was I prepared? Did I care enough to even ask God if there was anything he wanted me to do? Because he cares for this guy. But did I care enough? Did I care enough to even ask God? So I found myself praying, thinking about this guy. I found myself, God, challenging my heart. So I'm, okay, God, I'll pray for this guy. I don't even know his name. I'll pray for him. The guy in the news agent. I'll pray for him. And I prayed for him, prayed for him on a number of occasions and decided next time I go in the shop, I'm not going to be in a rush. I'm going to be open to God giving me an opportunity. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to treat this guy like a human being. I'm going to look him in the eye. I'm going to smile. I'm going to ask how he's doing. Has he, has a, has he had a good day? That, that's, that's my evangelistic strategy. Right? Have you had a good day? That's it. Right? That's, for me, that's step one. Right? So I did it. I did it. I went in, I did it. And he had. He'd had a good day. And before I could ask him another question, which I hadn't quite worked out what I was going to be, I think even though he wasn't born in Britain, I don't suspect, I think he's been in Britain long enough to realize the next question would be about the weather. So he came back with a comment about the weather. And I didn't want to talk about the weather because I thought, no, everyone talks about the weather. But he mentioned it, so we talked about the weather. And I smiled and said goodbye. Now, listen, he didn't make a confession that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. He didn't. But I think I treated him like a human being who God loves. And in some small way, I tried to do my bit in that moment to express something of care for him. I went back there last week. I prayed in the morning. I wondered if he'd remember me as the smiley guy who (laughs) chatted last time. Because I'm sad like that. I'm just being honest with you. I wondered what my next line would be. You know, because I've done the, how are you? I thought maybe, look, I thought I might go for this one. Hey, listen, just to let you know, I'm a Christian. And if you ever have any questions about Christianity or want prayer for anything, let me know. I'd love to pray for you. I thought I can do that. Do that. I walk in, calm on the inside. Well, not really, but jitter on the inside, calm on the outside. Go in, go around the side, pick up the paper, pick up a bar of chocolate, walk up, get to a different person. (laughs) I just stand there like that. (laughs) Give my money, go out. See, the truth is, we can either try or we can go through life with blinkers on. In too much of a hurry or not caring or just too far away from Jesus to see and respond to the opportunities. And it's no good saying that we'll do this when life gets easier because life will never get easier. Jesus says in this life you will have difficulties and battles, but that doesn't mean that we are to miss the opportunities that God puts right under our noses. Life is never going to be easy. We may never find this stuff easy. We just need to go for it. Simple acts of care as God directs in answer to prayers actually prayed, motivated by love, and let's see what God will do. Someone said that missionaries are not those who cross the sea, it's those who see the cross. We don't need to cross the ocean these days to find people who have never heard about Jesus. Our forefathers did this, and lots of them have heard about Jesus, but we do need to cross the road. We need to cross the road. In this country. 
Back on care. Care is often about using our resources, but sometimes it's about using heaven's resources because we've got access to Jesus. We have access to his resources. We have access that lots of people can't go and get themselves. I kind of feel like sometimes we are like kids at school who have legitimate access to the tuck shop, and it's a tuck shop where no one needs to pay for the sweets. We have access to heaven's resources. We can go and get stuff for people and then give it to them. I put that verse from 1 Corinthians 13 that's nearly always read out at weddings in your notes. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. It's talking about the fact that unless we do these things motivated by love, they're worthless. Even the miraculous, incredible, totally supernatural ones are worthless. But that actually means the converse is true as well, that if we flow in love, we will start to flow in the gifts. If we flow in love, we will start to flow in the gifts. See, it doesn't say don't do these things. It just says don't do them if you're not going to be motivated by love. But therefore, surely, if you are motivated by love, then we should be using these gifts. So if someone is physically sick, we can't heal them, but we can lay hold of heaven's resources and on the back of compassion pray for their healing. If someone doesn't know which way to go, they need direction. I don't know which way they should go because I'm not God, but I know God. And I can access heaven's resources by getting a prophetic word from God and giving it to them, which meets their need for direction. Love is the conduit on which the gifts of the Spirit flow. When you think about the miraculous, it's really just care, supernatural care. You just aren't meeting someone else's needs with your resources. You are, because you're a child of God and because you're walking with Jesus, accessing heaven's resources, and you are then caring for and blessing them with heaven's resources. If you want to be encouraged by this, go onto the New Ground website, go onto the Seminars from Ashburnham 2019, go to Pete Anderson's seminar, click it, you'll hear a load of these points, but you will also hear a whole load of stories from him about how caring for people, and sometimes that's naturally and sometimes that's supernaturally, but all under the power of God, has opened the door into people's hearts and meant that they have become Christians. If you want to grow, you want to be encouraged, go and listen to his stories. They're his stories. I'm not going to tell them. I tell my own ones, but his endings are often better than mine. Uh, his endings often end better than me just kind of walking out thinking, mm, I'm there. But hey, we're on a journey, aren't we? I'm on a journey. I might be at the start of the journey, but I am on a journey. When I was praying about this in the week, um, well, that would be a bit loose, actually. I was really walking along thinking about nothing, and God spoke. That's to be fair. Uh, but I, I did, I was, one thing on my heart was, God, how do we earth this? Because uh, otherwise you talk about love and prayer. How do you earth it? And, uh, and I felt that God gave me a, a, a bit of a way to do this. And, and it kind of starts with us asking God and doing what he says for someone within the church or some people within the church, but letting that be a, a spur and an encouragement 
that we might be taught how to do this for people outside the church. We learn inside in, all, in order to be able to reach outside. We learn in a safe place to be able to be better outside. That if we can hear God and obey him for our brothers and sisters, then we can hear and obey him for those outside the church. That, that was really what was on my heart. And what I felt God say was to, um, to put people's names on a list, everyone's names, and then invite people uh, to have a number, of, you know, to have one of those lists and then to pray and to see how God led us to care for them. And so that's what I've done. So this exercise that I'm going to invite you to get involved with, it's an exercise in getting us activated in hearing from God and caring for people as he wants us to. So everyone who comes on a Sunday morning who's over 18, so I thought that would be simpler. The, I told Ashley so the youth could do their own version if they want to. It's entirely up to them. But everyone who's over 18, I got Kevin to put their names in the computer and the computer randomly juggled up those names and put them into groups of five or six. And then we kind of put those names, the list, in an envelope and I've got a whole stack of envelopes up here. And I may have accidentally missed out someone's name. I may have. And if that 